This is the I Read Comic Books podcast. I'm Kara Shamborski. Joining me today is Kate Lamphere, and we've got a very special episode for you all, a book versus book. How are you doing, Kate? I'm doing great. I uh, We read a couple of stories about girls on adventures, um, which is my favorite genre, um, so I'm happy to be here. <laughs> so shocked that... <laughs> Mike said, I don't know, whatever you guys want to talk about. And it was like, even though we're thousands, hundreds of miles away from each other, it was like a mind meld, like staring into each other's eyes, like really cool girls. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, all right. So uh, let's uh, let's just dive right into it, because this is this is a very special minisode and we can make the format whatever we want. We're going to start out uh, just doing quick summaries of the books that we each chose in a book first book format. Each of the hosts chooses a book that they want the other one, demand the other one must read. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, we're, we're generally pretty chill with this episode format. And I try to be like as positive as possible about all the books we read. But today I'm, I'm feeling salty, Kate. There can only be one. We must <laughs> oh, no. choose a book. <laughs> it's, now it's actually like there's a competition. Now happening. it's a competition. <laughs> so, <laughs> so tell me about your pick. What did you choose for us to read and why? So this is Junk Wraith by Eleanor Ritchie um, in some A character named Florence throws away a beloved set of ice skates. The ice skates become a junk wraith, which is like the spirit looking being that is kind of a partial reflection of Florence herself, like maybe her anger in particular. The junk wraith leaves the city and escapes into the wastelands. And Florence and her little handheld digital assistant, Frank, leave the city and venture into the wastelands also. And Florence uncovers research about the junk rays and and the digital assistants and discovers human presence out in the wastelands. Dun, dun, dun. And I picked this because I was engrossed in it. Like when I first read this, which was like well, maybe early last year, um, I I was kind of blown away by it. Like it's kind of dreamlike. Um, so it's it's a little bit. It's a little bit abstract, I think. Um, I th- I think at one point I had referred to the art as being psychedelic, and I feel like maybe the story is not entirely not psychedelic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I really enjoyed, like, I love a physical journey in books, and then um, combined with this kind of like self-reflective, like this junk ray, this part of Florence, and like it's not very nice, and what does that mean, and and why did the ice skates have like such an emotional attachment to her to become this thing and there's just a nice balance of like a physical thing is happening but there's self-reflection um and this girl who just like goes off and goes into this dangerous place and by herself to figure it all out i feel like the book that i chose is in many ways the opposite to uh junk wraith thematically and stylistically i chose kaya volume one by Wes Craig, Jason Wordy on colors, Tom Napolitano on letters, and Erica Schnatz on design and production. And Kaya is the half-sister of a prince who was promised. And she's got a mysterious robot arm. And she's got to get her kid brother to safety. And you're thinking, but Kara, this is every Chosen One narrative with shades of Hellboy. <laughs> and I say, yes, but this one has lizard people. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> so um so let's get into it 
Uh, reading Junk Wraith for me was interesting because um, on the surface of it, I was like, I want to be so obsessed with this book. I can already tell. It's just, it's so beautiful. It's pastels. This is like what my entire wardrobe looks like right now. And, <laughs> and, um, I got to tell you, it was like kind of hard going for me to get through this book because like you said, it is kind of psychedelic. It felt to me like reading a dream. So I didn't, yeah, I didn't really understand the plot until I read the back cover of the book where it summarized the plot. <laughs> then I was like, oh, is that what we were doing? Okay. But <laughs> I do feel like there are some parts of this that are kind of out of nowhere. Like you have this through line of like these junk rays and these digital, like little cute, adorable handheld digital assistants with faces like they kind of feel like they're phones, but at the same time, they're kind of like teddy bears. <laughs> um, so there's this through line of those two things. But then like toward the end, especially like suddenly she's got the, a crush on a girl that she knows back home and the and the girl is coming after her. And then she's this other girl is being followed by like a police officer or some detective type person who's trying to figure out. Like the junk rays are only bad and the junk rays are not only bad. Like, yeah. So it kind of, it got kind of random toward the end. Yeah. It, it definitely had a lot of, like you said, it's this girl making her own decisions and then following through on them. Like she had a lot of agency in this yeah. story. And um, I will say that the little personal assistants, the jujus were a hundred percent, a percent my favorite part. They're like little, uh -huh. they're like little sentient light bulbs that are just like toddling around on two little legs, but need to be recharged. And you're just like, oh, how charming! And they know, they know a lot of stuff. Like they're basically like a like have access to the internet, except when they don't. <laughs> yeah, it's like Alexa or Siri if they actually had like sentience, which horrifying yeah. don't like to think about that <laughs> but in the book it's really cute because they have cute faces yeah. which is exactly how a big corporation would do it <laughs> oh no <laughs> make them think that it was something good now i'm getting too dark yeah. this book is way too light for where i'm going with this <laughs> except no but this book was very dark because part of the plot that it was difficult for me to wrap my head around was it's like if a junk wraith take some of your stuff that you've cast aside it starts like manifesting itself around that memory that you've discarded and therefore like takes your memories so our heroine yes. runs into like a library an older librarian who is very is represented as being like very absent-minded and then she reveals that she uh, had an encounter with a junk wraith and it like stole her memories and you find out through the course of the story that she there was quite a quite a lot that she doesn't remember and it I I kind of see what the creator was trying to do with that whereas if you like cast aside these pieces of yourself like so carelessly then the consequence of that in this like future fantasy state is you lose the memories that go along with it and lose part of your sense of self. But I'm only really coming to that conclusion now, like talking about it while I was reading it. I was just like, what is happening and why? <laughs> yeah. 
That's part of the reason I love being on this show is I feel like talking about putting my ideas on the outside, I guess, talking about <laughs> it <laughs> helps me connect the pieces. So, but yeah, that's a very good observation. Yeah. I mean, I did, I did really like the art on this. I thought that the kind of like the choppy line art style to the character shapes and, and cityscapes really, to me, suited a teenage narrative about a teenager who felt imperfect and was challenging notions of perfection. So I was like, ah, you made your protagonist prickly, literally. Yeah. <laughs> well done. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I I really liked, um, I think one of the things that blew me away the most about this book was like the the scenery art. Mm, absolutely. Um, like the, the art of the wastelands or even like there's a splash page toward the end where you have this little like overland crawler lab thing mm. and that I loved that um, beautiful design for this rolling building <laughs> <laughs> through the wastelands <laughs> no they yeah this one um, you know jumping ahead of myself a little bit with some compare contrast with Kaya I thought Junkwraith had way more uh, detail and thought in the like physical settings around the characters like way more noticeable way more at the forefront it was almost like like you were saying, the wastes are so central to the story. It's not just you're going through this wasteland. You're going through this wasteland that's filled with junk or stuff that might have been junk. And like that's part of the world building is the settings because you're seeing the discarded things or the discarded people and wondering, how did it get here? Is that relevant yeah. to the story? Perhaps not. But now we're now we're all thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. Like, how did we get to this, like, future fantasy state society where discarding things is so deeply frowned upon because they manifest as ghosts who are going to suck your memories away from you? Right. Yeah. I, I feel like there's a big element of the story that, like, um, I feel like I've seen this a lot in fantasy recently where, like, you're you're made to understand that there are certain rules about the way that the world works within the story. Mm -hmm. And they are also kind of ingrained in the characters, um, and then and then you find out over the course of the story that the rules are not actually the way that everyone understands them to be. Um, and I love I don't know. I love that that is I don't want to call it a trope because I feel like it's more of a storytelling device than a than a, than a stereotype. <laughs> but <laughs> I really enjoy how it plays out in this book. Yeah. Um, I guess my my last immediate thought about um about junk wraith is i'm just i'm so truly baffled about the role of the police detective in this yeah because as you said like this dude shows up he's like the mysterious ominous adult also i will say it took me way too long in this story to realize that our protagonist was a teenager and i don't know why like i do not have a good reason <laughs> for why i was just like this this girl is ice skating and lives at home with her parents but also I'm totally willing to believe that she's just a young adult and not a teenager. <laughs> yeah. But the detective person witnesses our heroine returning to the scene of the crime where she manifested the junk wraith in the first place by discarding her ice skates. And then he's just like, I'm watching you. And is like, <laughs> <laughs> and you like, don't know. I, I like, didn't pick up fully on like why he cared so much about junk wraiths to the point where he wanted to leave the city which is apparently something that people in this world do not do in yeah. order to follow her 
And then within the span of like three pages later in the book is like, never mind, everything's cool. And I'm like, sir, you had this girl tied up on a rock, which I am pretty sure is not cool, even in this future world where you're from. So like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I feel like, I mean, the only thing that I could think is that um, like going back to the idea that there are rules in this fantasy world, I feel like he is a representation of that. And so like having him there as a character, a character who's like, um, who has dialogue to say, oh, maybe, maybe I was wrong, or maybe I have been going about this wrong. Maybe my ideas are wrong. I feel like that's just a representation of like the rules of the story being broken, I guess. I, I talk sometimes about how I prefer creators who trust their audience and don't spell everything out but i do feel like maybe this book could have taken just just a few more steps to spell things out a little bit <laughs> yeah like i'm understanding it now that you're explaining it to me but well i, would... I mean this is just a guess <laughs> <laughs> it sounds great that sounds like a great okay. guess i'm totally exactly willing to what believe, i'm talking about <laughs> totally willing to believe that the cop is <laughs> the manifestation of the rules that sounds super legit Great analysis. We both get an A in literature. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I want to I want to talk about Kaya and then we'll do a, a little bit more comparison between the two book versus book. So so this is a book that um, was just not on my radar at all. And when we were looking at at books to choose, I fortunately stumbled across it and I was like this looks like something that we'll both get something out of um and at least for me I was so right this book is great so uh this like I said this is um Kaya and her half brother the prince uh fleeing their trashed homeland to find safety in the hopes that the half brother prince will one day grow up to be the chosen one who can save the humans from the robot apocalypse but there's only a few robots in this story it's mostly the lizard people that they encounter on their trip because like kaya has perhaps some history with the handsome lizard boy prince who's traveling with the pack and there's like all this lizard politicking going on between the two like factions of the lizard people who are they're all like trying to defeat this monster and go to the city but also talking about who's leading them and why and what are they doing and it sounds super boring while i'm explaining it like that but lizard <laughs> people fighting petty squabbles okay and they all the the bad guy one to me looks like um reptar from from Rugrats but like if he was punk <laughs> and a teenager and like really angry about everything yeah so that was delightful for me and um and this book I I really enjoyed I thought the plot had like great pacing there was a lot of um I really appreciate comic books that give the story room to breathe with story beat panels where an action isn't necessarily happening, but you have an extra moment for a character to like complete a gesture or like the wind to blow their hair dramatically. So you have another moment to, as the reader be like, that is a wistful reflective moment. So yeah, I thought this book had, had a lot of that, um, that I was picking up on, uh, really, really luscious artwork, looking at it, I was like, was this done in pen? 
like really mm, elegant yeah. inks really elegant pens like I, I i know pretty much everyone colors digitally at this point but i'm like did you use a marker on this because it looks really varied <laughs> yeah and i just like i do feel that um the little brother character in this one was perhaps a little too annoying for me to take totally seriously as like a savior right. character but he is also the narrator so that was an interesting tension where it's like kind of clear that the narration of the story is happening from a future place where he's looking back and reflecting but his actions as an eight-year-old boy who's like tired and hungry and just saw his like whole house destroyed in front of him probably realistic but i was still very annoyed by him just making all these choices where i was like you don't you don't have to follow that impulse you cannot follow that impulse. I, I like, and I understand that he's a literal child, and like that's actually very difficult to do. But like, kid, calm down and get it together. What did you think? Yeah, I. Um, so I feel like, well, this this is an ongoing series. Like, I think issue eight is releasing soon, or just released. Um, in reference to when we're recording this, at least. <laughs> so I feel like there's a lot of story that we haven't gotten to yet. And I and I felt like that was... I had a lot of questions. I felt like that was pretty clear that we weren't done yet with mm-hmm. this story. Like, um, like, there's reference made to Jin being like the subject of a prophecy where he's meant to like defeat these robots and he's meant to turn into a dragon. But it's also implied that he was being like protected and sheltered someplace and kind of like set apart from the problems of the society so like the fact that his home got destroyed and suddenly they have to flee was seemed like kind of like a surprise Mm -hmm. and you said that he is eight eight years old that's Mm -hmm. a good point that's probably a significant reason why that was the case (laughs) but it seemed like okay it sounds like this kid is basically gonna have to go to war someday it seemed like he would be at least in some kind of like training or at least being kept on the news or something like that Mm um and I guess just in terms of this prophecy, I kind of felt like from the beginning, um, Kaya and Jin were like almost meant to be leaving together um, for this prophecy to play out. Like it, like again, like having this kid just in a building safe apart didn't really seem like that's not going to lead to this thing happening. <laughs> He's going to have to get out there in the world. Yeah, it's like um, that's not how you have character development. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, or prophecy development. Yeah. Um, so I feel like um, I feel like it was like if this prophecy is even true, which is the big question throughout this book, um, I feel like this um, setting off together was like it has to happen first um, in order for this prop- prophecy to come about. Yeah. But Jin, for the for the most part of this this first volume that we read is really just like so utterly believes in his destiny that he's spending a lot of time just like sitting and meditating and praying and talking to the gods and he's like no they're gonna give me magic powers they're gonna give me magic powers because i'm supposed to and i'm the prince and they're going to and his sister's like you moron (laughs) yeah i so for junk wraith i had mentioned that you're given the rules of the world and then they're broken but for this one i feel like the rules of the world are already a question to the characters like because jen thinks that this prophecy is definitely going to happen definitely believes in magic definitely believes that the gods are going to talk to him and kai is over here like 
you're an idiot. <laughs> Magic's not real. Magic is fake. Yeah. Like she expressly says that to him, but he's still like, well, yeah. what about your arm? She's like, don't worry about my arm. I'm like, no girl, yeah. what about your arm? Right. <laughs> yeah. Glows sometimes. Or magical arm that she has. Yeah. Um, but I, I just like that this story kind of, um, kind of breaks that story, that storytelling. I don't want to call it a trope, but you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> known storytelling uh plot device yeah and it's just... already like halfway into the questioning of the rules of the world um so that was like unique uh book versus book uh, oh. observation i mean i think that <laughs> i think that this story is a hundred percent like let me open up my bag of tropes and see what we got here but it's doing it in a way where i'm like <laughs> yeah give me the tropes how long for this ride are you kidding <laughs> yeah so I guess it's like there's a difference between like using tropes as a crutch and using tropes to tell a good story or at right. best deconstructing a trope. Yeah. But um yeah. I my, one of my notes for this story which I forgot that I wrote and then I thought you wrote it and I was like, "Ah, glad that Kate concurs with me that Seth is a dragon hottie." <laughs> <laughs> Lizard hottie Seth. <laughs> Yes, I have to talk about these lizards. Yes, please, oh let's do. See, what, when the lizards showed up, I thought that they were going to be maybe there for an issue, and that was it. So I was surprised that they were there for the bulk of this first volume. Surprised, but not disappointed, because the whole time I was like, oh, this is the role of the ducks in the Carl Barks Disney comics. They are people, <laughs> but they look different from people. Got it. Lizard people. Yeah. Let's do this. They're called the lizard riders. They are like lizards who ride other lizards so like yep goofy and pluto <laughs> as the disney dogs one of them's a dog dog one of them's a dog yeah. who's really a people <laughs> in this case one of the lizards is um a horse and one of the lizards is a person yes <laughs> <laughs> so person lizard who has like kind of a thing with kaya going has gorgeous flowing blonde hair is yeah really has has caught many feelings for her but is betrothed to a fish princess at the city that they're <laughs> heading towards i love shit like this kate this is so good i'm like we're halfway to star wars let's go yeah wow yeah um i okay so in terms of like the dra the lizard people as as a whole i they kind of uh meshed into one lizard clump in my mind and like I, I lost track of which secondary character lizard was which which so you've got one that that dies that kind of sacrifices himself to save the rest of them um and then you have the guy who is like in in mourning about this and feels terrible and like takes on his, this other guy's name or something like that by shedding I his lost. lizard skin that was yeah. so cool that was i have never seen somebody in a work of art be like i have lizard people and you know what i'm gonna take their lizard characteristics and incorporate that into their culture so this lizard dude who is like the punk ass coward dude who is making <laughs> life really difficult for everyone else because he's like i'm the king and everyone's like okay well you can't hunt so what you're like functionally useless to us on this quest yeah like, so when the uh the other lizard dies saving his life he's like i will i will perform this ritual where i shed my skin and take on his name and his responsibilities and i was like that's thoughtful sci-fi world building well done yeah well done was craig 
That's true. Um, except that I lost track of which one was which. No. <laughs> just, what do you mean? There was like, the one with the backwards baseball cap. There was the one that looked like Reptar, but with eyeliner. There was the hottie wow. one with the blonde hair. <laughs> See, I needed you next to me when I was reading it to like <laughs> distinguish all of these people. Um, so yeah, so that's really my only complaint about the lizard people other than like, okay, so... It feels like the humans of the story, Jin and Kaya and their whole civilization, have the bad guy who are the robots who are overwhelming the world and destroying everything. Uh And then we get to these lizard people and the lizard people have an entirely different bad guy, which are like these spider creatures Uh um, who are also overwhelming their world. So I'm like... Do the spider people and the robot people work together? Are these separate beings? Is there like some different kind of border guys. that they cross and they're two different bad guys in two different regions? Like I'm confused as to who is the ultimate bad guy at this point. We need a map. Also, in life, is there generally an ultimate bad guy or is it many bad guys, many antagonists True. based on who your protagonist is? Yeah. <laughs> so I just have a lot of questions, I guess, is uh, how I'm ending volume one of kaya at least see this is the kind of thing where i know i have questions but i'm not mad about it because i feel like with the world building that there was i was given enough context clues to kind of pick up on like you know at the core we're on a quest mission quest thing where we're getting (laughs) getting the kid to safety and everything else is just fun patina on the walls as we ride by you know yeah but this is also why I liked um, the TV show Firefly, where other, where other people didn't, because I like watched that on DVD, and I was like, "Yep, we got world building, we have context clues. Sometimes people are speaking in Mandarin, and often they're speaking in English. And I'm just, I'm along for the ride. They're using weird yeah. words that Joss Whedon has made up. It's fine. So I don't know stuff like that where I'm like, okay, there's a plot, there's a point of view. I like the characters. I don't need to know every single detail. It's fine." And you're listening and probably thinking, well, Karen, you didn't really know a lot of stuff about Junkwraith either. And yet you had good characters and a good <laughs> and good bones. So like, what was the difference? I, I don't know. OK, I don't know. <laughs> I just I felt like I connected more with Kaya as a story and Junkwraith. I really, really, really wanted to like. But just it it was just so like slow for me going through it's it. It's true. It is really long. Yeah. So I guess that was just like. Maybe a difference in pacing is what it comes down to for me. Yeah. And I feel like the fact that one of these series is finished and we read the whole thing versus Kaya just being the volume one makes a huge difference because like we've gotten to the end of Junk Wraith and we can say that it ends kind of randomly and too too quickly. Too quickly. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And like some of these, I feel like especially with the the detective like it feels like some of the the subplots didn't really pay off um but with Kaya it's like i have all these questions and i have some trust that it's all going to pay off and my questions are going to get answered so when you said that just now all i was thinking was yeah that's what we thought about everything jj abrams has ever done and look where that got us kate <laughs> <laughs> oof so- oh, no. um i did want to i did want to uh bring up one thing to do a little compare and contrast between Junkwraith and Kaya because they're both about teenage girls on adventures. But Junkwraith, to me, it felt like it was more centered on 
her narrative and her point of view and what she was doing. Whereas Kaya, we're told the story from her brother's point of view. Like he is the literal narrator. And so to me, it was a different way. Like we weren't seeing as much of her decisions and interiority as we got with junk rates. So they felt like very different stories, even though at root they were both teenage girl goes on quest, but they felt very different to me because of that. What did you think? Um, Yeah, I can definitely see that difference. There is like a certain. Hmm. (laughs) I'm making you think again. We're going back into lit class. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, in some, I agree. Yeah. Um, I feel like there is there is more self-reflection in Junk Wraith, whereas Kaya, it there is almost I feel like you don't really see her thoughts at all, which makes sense since it's the brother's narration. Um, I guess it was more like Junk Wraith to me was very definitively a young adult book, like using young adult style like storytellings, whereas Kaya was not a young adult book. It just happened to have a young adult as the main character. Yeah, that's a good observation. All right. I'm going to make us choose book versus book. Oh, no. Which? No, we'll go down by categories. How's that? Um, which, okay. Which plot did you prefer? Um, I feel like the plot of Kaya has better beats, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah. That way, way clearer pacing where I, I yeah. agree with you um, from your previous comment that Junk Wraith got really rushed at the end. All of a sudden, yeah. it was like, hooray, we did it the end. We saved it all. I'm like, did you? <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I agree with you on that. Um, okay, here's the challenge category. Art. I Okay, so the, they're very different art styles. I love the colors in both of them and the scenery in both of them for different reasons. Um, but I think that Junk Wraith um i don't know it's got this place in my head as being like a very unique book um and like a work of art even more so than a comic book and so i feel like i have to go with junk wraith Hmm. i'm deeply torn because on the one hand i agree with you that junk wraith is very unique even though seeing it immediately i thought the spire but it's like it's not actually Ooh. like really close to the spire i just thought that because it was like future e tech e pastel e but yeah. the art styles are actually it. very different um yeah and i did like the level of detail that was put into the spaces that the characters were inhabiting there was always something to look at and to notice and that was lovely on the other hand Kaya was like watching an amped up episode of the Herculoids and I felt like I was in <laughs> like the 70s watching a really good like yeah. Sunday morning cartoon but like made for adults and deepened somehow <laughs> so, right so I am torn because like I want to say it's Kaya but I agree with you that like Junk Wraith is the one I'm probably going to be thinking about more yeah I was thinking about it for days after the first time i read it yeah oh yeah um which quest would you prefer to go on oh no (laughs) um i feel like there's less of a threat of death in junk race so (laughs) you might lose all your memories that's just pretty harsh true 
Um, and then you have Frank, the little Juju. He was adorable. And then you have this this overland uh, lab building situation. I don't know. I think Junk Wraith is my answer. Hmm. Um, I am going to go with Kaya just because <laughs> I'm I like I'm just so intrigued by the lizard people taking us to the fish city what's in the fish city i want to know like i'm yeah. i'm a little more like curious about the stuff like i i don't think my instinct in junk wraith would be yes let me leave the city walls and go into a junkyard but with kaya like i have already been forced out of my home i have no choice but to go ahead so i think i would do better in the well i'm already out here i might as well keep going versus the the initial leap to like leave everything that you know this has been accidental therapy with i read comic books (laughs) (laughs) isn't it always (laughs) oh shoot more insights okay didn't mean to get that that deep um okay uh did you have a favorite character in either book i already know you're gonna say frank the juju so why are you pausing Yeah, Frank the Juju. I was trying to think if the if there is one um if there is one in Kaya. Um I mean, I feel like Seth is pretty far up there. He's, he's a he, he's trying to be great and I feel like he is naturally great and he's put in this difficult situation with his um his fish princess. Yeah, I would I would say Seth the haughty lizard prince boy <laughs> except except then he did the thing where after he got married, he runs after Kaya yes. and is like, this was a mistake. And I just really wanted her to be like, bitch, you just said your vows. Like, what am I supposed yeah. to do with this? <laughs> I do. I do appreciate that. Like he he does. OK, he does it at the wrong time, but he does do this this big show of of affection finally or he intends to. And she's already like on to the next thing in her life. Yeah, she's like, I got to go by. <laughs> He doesn't get his moment. He's too late. Oh, man. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to say that my favorite character that we read in these is Kaya because I appreciate someone who is super grumpy but still doing the right thing. Yeah. <laughs> like she's just so mad this whole book. And I'm like, girl, same. Like, you know, it's fine. You can do this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, And is there anything um i had i had another note about the setting but i think we kind of covered that by my quest question but um okay which one of these books would you be more likely to recommend to somebody who doesn't read comic books who doesn't read comics they're both so weird i know but you you know (laughs) what if you're talking to someone and you finally realize like oh man if this person's gonna read a comic it's definitely junk wraith how how about like what kind of person would perhaps like like these books i feel like somebody who is is open to more abstract like art um if they go into a museum and it's a splash of paint on a canvas that does not have a subject in it and they like it that would be a person who might like jump junk wraith <laughs> even if they just flip um, through a couple pages and say yeah the art's cool but yeah. i don't want to read it at least you've gotten That's them true. to look at a comic book guys <laughs> yeah yeah um and then for kaya i mean anybody that likes a big adventure um 
because I feel like this touches on it's it's like similar to a lot of things in the way of of you have to save the kingdom, you know, mm-hmm. um, and you have to like you have to make your allies where you can, even if they're like some of them are assholes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I feel like that has a commonality with a lot of like movies and, and other um, other media. So I feel like that, I guess, in terms of of um, I feel like there are more people that would be into that kind of thing. Yeah, I think, Kaya, I would be like, all right, was your favorite part of Star Wars the cantina scene? But you want those (laughs) people to be questing. Cool. (laughs) Is your favorite Star Wars character anyone who's a tradition, who's like the dinosaur ones that look like the dinosaur that Kirk was fighting in that one episode of Star Trek? Like, this is the book for you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. So now that we've gone through our checklist who is the winner what which book is the winner of the book versus book (laughs) i feel like i'm still going to be thinking about junk wraith for a long time and like i'll read the next volume of of kaya i can definitely see i can definitely see like trying to follow this and trying to wrap it up Mm -hmm. but i feel like junk wraith is the one that's like kind of sticks out to me as being something really unique okay um I'm going to vote for Kaya, and I think my enthusiasm about it has carried through this entire episode, and (laughs) so that's not a surprise to anybody. But I do agree with you that I am going to be thinking about the art in Junkwraith for a while. Like, it has been kind of wallpapered at the back of my brain uh, since reading it for this show, and I don't see that stopping anytime soon and that's a really nice moment for me because noticing art is something that as you know i try to work on so yeah thank you for that bit of character growth in my own arc kate (laughs) (laughs) well thank you for um finally getting me to read kaya because i think that this is on our goodreads reading challenge for the year and i was kind of dragging my feet oh check that off the list yeah yeah uh, any closing thoughts on our book versus book very special episode? I really liked our little theme of ladies going on adventures, and I think that we could turn this into a part two with other books or, you know, part uh, entire new series. <laughs> <laughs> Call us, Mike. We're free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I really, I really loved this. Um, I know we initially struggled to come up with a theme, and we didn't even really need to have a theme, but I like yeah, the symmetry like of a, it. I like the compare like, contrast of it. I feel like we have a lot of overlap in the things that we like to read. So yeah, so why not play to our strengths? I was actually thinking yeah. about this. I was like, what do Kate and I talk about that isn't Halloween witchy books? And I couldn't <laughs> think of it. But I guess this is that's just an extension of this. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We've we've got a type. All right. Well, uh, thank you to all our fabulous listeners tuning in today. Uh, you can check out I Read Comic Books on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Discord, Goodreads, and guess what? You're halfway to the challenge already just by listening to this show. We're also on YouTube. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Infinity Shred is the best. They do our music. Xander sees all within you and believes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And until next time, comics are good and so are you. And a bonus shout out to Nick White for proof listening for us on this episode. Thanks, Nick. Nick.